Property Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. From wherever you may be listening in the world, this is the Max Property Podcast. I'd like to thank you all for tuning in again, and I hope you'll enjoy what we have in store for you today. I'm your host, Fabian Zwan, and I look forward to informing you about what we at Max Property Group can do for you and how our Max Crowdfund platform works from both the investor side as well as the project developer side of things. So Max Property Group is an exclusive service provider for real estate crowdfunding in, among other countries, the Netherlands, the UK, Germany, Sweden, and New Zealand. And uh, all of these developments, in addition to the new ones in the pipeline that we're still fine-tuning, are overseen by our CEO from the UK, Mr. Mark Lloyd, who I uh, invited onto the show today. So Mark, uh, thank you for coming on. And even though it's uh, yeah socially distant, of course, it's a, it's a real pleasure to have you here. Yeah, thanks, Fabian. Really, really great to be on the show. No worries, no worries. Uh, uh, could you maybe tell us a little bit about your background at Max Property Group? Why did you decide to, let's say, postpone retirement for just a little bit longer and hop on board the Max Property Group project? And how did you become the CEO of Max Property Group? Um, well, I've been investing in property and real estate in the UK for about 16, 17 years now. And uh, I've got a reasonable sized portfolio myself. I also set up a, a training company in the UK that teaches uh, investors how to how to invest in property um, and that's called property master academy and that's where a lot of people would have noticed me from certainly in the uk as to how i came involved with max property group um, i had a, a joint venture project with an investor in the uk who introduced me to another investor um, who was based in majorca uh, another one of the founders of max property group and he was looking for someone that could uh, help set up a property investment fund, which was uh, our initial projects that we started. And from that, we've changed uh, into becoming a crowdfunding platform. And the the main, I think the main reason for being the CEO of the uh, company is one, one, my experience. I have a lot of experience in property, as I said, 16, 17 years, and, but not just the experience in property itself. I actually own properties, a lot of them. I've got Round about 60 units now uh, in, in various areas of the UK. And the attraction of the Max Property Group uh, proposition was this was now going to be international. So for me, just being operational in the UK, I then got the opportunity now to expand that internationally through Max Property Group. And mm. my experience of the UK, which is one of the um, most vibrant real estate markets in the world, then learning on other markets was, is fantastic. It allows us to expand what we have into other parts of the world. So it's from my perspective, I think it's fantastic. But that's really essentially why I'm the CEO. It's just the experience level that, that I have um, amongst the team, really. It's a matter of seniority. Uh, I guess it's seniority. I'm, 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 am I the only one with grey hair? I'm trying to remember. Um, no, 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 you're definitely not. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I was also curious because uh, you're based in the UK, but we're based in Rotterdam, the Netherlands. Uh, what factored into your decision to have the headquarters over here as opposed to in the UK? <laughs> That's an interesting one. <laughs> so, well, originally, actually, Fabian, it would have been the UK. Um, but with Brexit, um, that kind of changed the, the landscape. I think... 
you know, the UK was a strong possibility always and, and, and with Rotterdam. A lot of the team, as you know, are, um, are Dutch anyway, so that would help it being in Rotterdam. But because the UK at the time was one of the largest financial centres in the world, it, it made a lot of sense to potentially site in the UK. But with Brexit happening, that kind of changed the landscape. And, and now if we look at the financial markets today, uh, the Netherlands is actually, I think, about to surpass London, the UK, as a main financial centre. So that would never have happened prior to Brexit. So it's one of the downsides of Brexit, unfortunately, that's happened. Um, but the positive side is, you know, we as a company are in a good position, um, you know, being based in the Netherlands, which is a very good open economy and has some uh, some very good quality people uh, that help us uh, within the company. So, you know, uh, from that point of view, it's, uh, yeah, it's working really, really well. Yeah, that's an interesting development. And this is like a real world example of the effects of Brexit. You know, you always hear about it in the news, but this is something that we're experiencing firsthand. So it's funny how it played out, I guess. Uh, so now I just wanted to talk about the, the Max Crowdfund platform. So to help people get a general idea of how the platform works, I think we should help them differentiate between the investors or normal users route and the project developers route. Uh, could you explain how the platform is set up from the users slash investors side of the platform? Yeah, cool. So we've designed it to make it as simple as possible uh, as, as we can within the realms of regulation and, and various laws. So from an investor's perspective, um, the initial aspect is, is registering on the platform. So setting up their own account. And um, in order to do that, they're going to have to provide a few documents for the KYC, so the know your customer information um, and anti-money laundering. So yeah, things like passport, proof of address, that, that kind of thing. And also to help verify further, then we uh, verify through the bank account. So they'll transfer a small amount of money to us so that we can see it's coming from an account in their name. Um, and that, that, that money can be returned if they're not going to be using it for investing purposes, but it helps us verify them. Then they will... Uh, if they're going to um, take that further to the developer side, which we'll talk about in a second, they'll set up another account as well. But that's from the investor's point of view, that's it. So once they've done that, then they're then ready to invest. They answer a few questions, which will help um, qualify them for the type of investor they are as to whether they can invest on the platform. Are you a US citizen? And those, those kinds of questions. Yeah, exactly. I'm an excluded investor. Um, and you know, it's the understanding and whether they qualify to, to invest on the platform. So once they've qualified through that, then they're able to invest on the platform and it's relatively straightforward. If there's a project on there, they can click on uh, the project to invest in it. It's got all the details related to that project and then they just allocate whatever amount of money they want to invest in the project. Yeah, and that's something I wanted to talk about as well, the amount of money they can invest in the platform because the, they can invest starting at 100 euros. And I, I found that uh, when I started working here, I found that pretty uh, noticeable. I, I wondered why was it 100 euros? What was the reason why 100 is the minimum investment fee as opposed to say a four-figure or five-figure number? What What is the reason? Well, one of the main objectives for the platform has always been to make it as widely accessible as possible. And you're right. I mean, generally speaking, for an investment of this nature, you would need to have 10, 15, 20,000 euros more or more. Um, but we wanted to make it more available to people and, uh, and in process of getting our exemption certificate in the Netherlands, that's allowed us to also lower the floor limit to allow your average investor to in the Netherlands to invest in the platform. Outside of the Netherlands, of course, it's different regulations at the moment, but 
in individual countries will, will uh, change as they go through their own regulatory issues. But that's that's the main reason. It's literally it's because we want to make it as widely accessible as possible so that people could just invest from 100 euros and start to get a return. All right. Yeah. So it's to make it a, yeah, as low entry as possible. And uh, that way you can kind of widen your target group. So, uh, okay. Yeah. It's an interesting way uh, uh, to position yourself, I, I suppose, in this industry. Uh, so now that we've talked about the investor side, uh, I wanted to talk about, of course, the project developer side of the platform. Uh, could you outline how one could apply for funding via Max Crowdfund from the project developer side of the platform? Yeah, of course. So from, from the developer side, um, initially they go through the same process as if you're setting up as an investor. So they set up an account on the platform, an individual account, and then they add their company account to the platform as well. And they go through the same process of uh, uploading documents for the company, verifying the company bank account again. Um, and then once that's all done, then they can apply for funding. And the process is as straightforward as we can make it. So um, what they need to provide will be obviously details of the particular project, a brief overview of the project, uh, the business plan for the project. So what, what is it they're actually trying to do? Is it a, um, a property that they're looking to buy, um, refurbish and then sell, or is it refurbishing and renting out, or is it a new build property? So whatever details of the project it is, that's going to be backed up by an independent valuation report from a qualified uh, surveyor in, in that, that particular country uh, that, that gives us kind of the backbone for the project and once we've got all those documents together one last thing we do like to ask for is a short video from the developer themselves just really introducing themselves and and again re-emphasizing about the project and the returns the investors can get and the main reason we do that is because at the end of the day people buy from people and and the investors that are investing through our platform like to see who they're going to invest their money with. So the video we found works really, really well. It's not a requirement. I don't want to put people off by saying that you've got to, got to put yourself on camera, but it does help. But if you don't want to do the video, then um, a bio summary is, is really what's required. So back a history of um, your experience and what you're doing, what any previous projects you've done, and again, you know, a summary of the project. But that's that's essentially it. Well, I guess that is a, a really humanistic way, uh, a really humanistic request to have them upload a video. Of course, if you're a person, you want to invest in another person's, you know, project ambition. You want to invest in a, in a person and not just, you know, some random website and some words on a screen. It has to have a face to it. So it makes sense. And I think in particular, the background story is of utmost importance. And I wanted to kind of uh, provide you with a, with a scenario I'd come up with myself. So uh, picture this. You have a project in, let's say, uh, Portugal in the Algarve. Uh, it's a countryside villa that will be used for the retirement of the parents of Joao, the project developer. So Joao already has the bricks and mortar side of the project financed, but he still requires additional funding to cover the payments for the electrical and plumbing installations. He also needs uh, financing for the finer details such as upholstery and furnishing work. So when looking at this perspective scenario, how would Joao be able to approach Max Property Group with the intention of using the Max Crowdfund platform to acquire the remaining financing for this project? Well, it's the same kind of process. I mean, first of all, Port Portugal obviously is a country that we're not um, uh, operating in at the moment, although we can lend to Portugal, Portugal if uh, the developer is currently situated within the countries you've already mentioned, so UK, uh, 
Netherlands, Germany, Sweden, uh, New Zealand, then we can lend to, to Portugal. But essentially the process is the same as I've already described for the, for the developer. Um, the here, we'd, by the sounds of things, we would be looking at a what's called a second charge lending. So, um, so first charge is obviously the work he's already carried out and whatever lending he's got secured uh, for that. So ours, by the sound of things, would be second charge lending. But the same process applies. Uh, it just means that he's likely to pay a higher interest rate on that lending because it's a second charge security. But as long as everything else stacks up, so we have the independent surveyors report, it fits within our standard criteria of margins that they, we expect the developer to make, then there should be no issue in raising the finance for that project. All right, all right. So it's a, it's a more or less standard, but uh, there's of course a second charge that's uh, placed on top of it. Okay. Um, I, I was just also curious, how would a target amount of uh, 200,000 euros differ from say uh, approximately 1 million? Are there uh, different steps to the process if there's a, you know, a higher uh, amount required? Well, the pro process is, is identical. Um, it doesn't matter what amount you're raising, uh, the process is actually identical. Uh, it's the only differentiator is the time it might take to raise that amount. So, for example, I know that we had a loan on the platform um, last week uh, that we for a quarter of a million euros, and that was raised, I think, in something like six or seven minutes. So it, it's just a time factor as to the difference in the amounts. But in terms of the actual process, it's very much the same. Okay, well, I think that clears up uh, one of the questions I think many uh, people who are approaches have. It's it's about uh, yeah the the amount. Does that impact the process? But you're saying the process is just standardized. It's 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 the standard procedure, and uh, uh, the amount that needs to be raised isn't uh, doesn't impact that aside from the uh, total you know time that it takes to raise the funds. Um, so I'm just going to play a, a short clip for you, Mark. And for those of you out there, uh, no, this hasn't been rehearsed before. So what you'll hear will be Mark's authentic reaction. So I'm just going to open the clip right now and uh, turn the volume up. Let's play it. Cities are one of humankind's great innovations and their importance to the global economy continues to grow. Half the people on the planet now live in urban areas. That is expected to rise to two-thirds of the global population by 2050. While people are drawn to the higher living standards and social amenities that cities provide, the benefits of urbanization go much further than that. Cities bring large groups of people together. This connectivity stimulates ideas and expands human knowledge. It allows people to specialize in a particular skill, continually refining their capabilities. This is the main driver of productivity in the world today. Cities already generate more than 80% of the world's GDP, and this is likely to increase as cities continue to grow. To realize the economic benefits of urbanization, cities need the right infrastructure. In the developed world, aging infrastructure needs to be upgraded to meet the demands of the modern economy. It is estimated Europe needs to spend more than 600 billion euros a year on infrastructure investment. As a major European city, London will play a crucial role in this infrastructure spending over the next 15 years. While such investment has historically come from the public sector, Private finance now plays an increasingly important role. The Thames Tideway Tunnel, 
and the Mersey Gateway Project are just two examples of how the public and private sectors can work together to deliver sustainable assets that benefit investors and customers. Collaboration of this kind is likely to lead to continued innovation in infrastructure development. This is critical in addressing the urbanization challenges of the future. Okay, so based on this clip, Mark, uh, what challenges do you think real estate investment companies will face in highly urbanized areas in the future? Well, I think one there's a number of issues. I think the, the biggest one is, of course, um, as always, government regulation. Um, but outside of that, it's it's always the fun the funding aspect of things. Because at the end of the day, um, to, to, for these projects to happen, then they need funding, whether it's from the public purse or the private purse. And it's becoming more and more common for private investors to help fund these projects, not just in the UK, which the examples you gave there, but in other countries as well. And I think, you know, when we look forward, there, there is a lot of private investor money out there. And uh, I think... To help the, to make these things happen, it's going to need the cooperation of private investors, not just government funding. Because you know we've seen over the past year, eighteen months, that governments have had to borrow heavily and and to record levels. They can't continue at that pace, so that private investment will have to step in at some point. So a combination of the two, I think, is really the only way that's going to happen. Having said that, the the urbanisation um, I agree with, but also. We've seen over the past 18 months, again, because of what's happened, is that people are looking for more open space as well. So it's a combination, I think, of the two. Okay, yeah. So it's a sustainability issue, like the, the way things are going right now. We have to ask the private investors to, you know, cooperate, contribute to solving the challenges that may arise in the future. So that, that's more or less, it, in a nutshell, what you're trying to say. Yeah. Okay. Are you, uh, are you a news guy, Mark? Do you like feel like you know the constant urge to check your phone or computer like most of us do to stay up to date about what's going on around you? Uh, to be honest, only within the property world. Anything outside of that, I can't control. All right. So the property world is your bubble, right? Everything else outside of that is sort of like, yeah, it's not really necessarily my cup of tea. It's the property world. That's your, that's your thing. All right. So for those of you news freaks out there, you probably already know about the announcement that was made in the spring of 2021 about the easement of requirements regarding qualified investors in financial markets among the EU member states. So Mark, what do you think this easement means for the future of exclusive service providers and platforms such as Max Crowdfund in EU countries? Well, I, th I think it's a fantastic bit of uh, um, regulation that's going to come in. Uh, it's about time. Um, the EU is not renowned for being on top of things, but I think... No, 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 no you can say that again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, crowdfunding, let's face it, has been around a while, uh, certainly in the UK and, and certainly I know parts of mainland Europe as well. And, you know, I think it's a good thing that it's it's finally come to the fore and that from our perspective, uh, I think it's brilliant news because it, um, from my understanding of the way it will operate, what we hope it will operate is that it will then allow us to operate in throughout the European community uh, without necessarily having to get individual licensing in each country. So essentially allowing us to passport our um, Dutch license into the other European community countries. And that is a major, major step forward for us in our growth. Um, it will help us 
uh, well, it exceed our original targets for the countries that we were looking to expand into because taking on another 20 odd countries um, will 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 have some challenges. There's no question about that. <laughs> but uh, by the same token, one of those major challenges, which is the regulatory um, landscape, will be eased, I think, by this new um, EU requirement. Yes, that's very true. Um, I just wanted to know from you, Mark, is there someone who has inspired or enlightened you in such a way that he or she said or did something that left a lasting impression on you? Oh, wow. Um, there's many people uh, that I think would fit that fit that criteria. Um, I, I, I suppose some of them are people I've, you know, books, book, books I've read, people that maybe I've seen at, at events, that have uh, inspired me. Um, I could list loads and loads of them. I'd, I'd probably, if I put them into kind of my top three, um, I would put, and these are no, no particular order, but I would say by far one of the best books I've ever read, which really, really inspired me when I was um, quite a bit younger, by the way, uh, probably nearer to your age, Fabian. No, really? Um, <laughs> okay. Was a book by a guy called Og Mandino, called The Greatest Salesman in the World. And the reason I liked it, one, it was a very short book. I could read it in a day, and that appealed to me because I'm not a great reader of books, so I never had the patience to read through a book unless it, unless it really inspired me. And that did, and I've read it so many times. I've still got a copy on my bookshelf here that is now a little bit dog-eared, a bit browned um, in the pages, but I've read it probably a dozen or 20 times, and, and there's so many things within that that inspired me to push forward. Um, I would also say Zig Ziglar, um, well-known American motivational speaker. Uh, I've listened to a lot of his uh, material over the years and, and fantastic guy. Uh, and then I'd also put Tony Robbins in that category as well. Mm. Uh, his, his book, Awaken the Giant Within, was real eye-opener, eye I think. And it's all those kind of things. I've, I've always tended to be around or get involved or listen to those kind of people because they, they inspire me to, to push forward um, all the time and, and have done for you know decades now. So they're, they're kind of things. There are, there are individual people as well that, that inspire me uh, every day. Um, you know, some of the people that I teach through my academy, um, they, they, you know, I'm, I'm inspired by seeing what, what they achieve each year with our help. And that's, that is very satisfying. Yeah. And I think, uh, when you're able to convey, you know, what they taught you to others, I think that also proves that it inspired you to such an extent that you're willing to pass their teaching on in that particular way through your academy or elsewhere. Um, okay, Mark, it's it's time to move on to our special segment here. It's called Bowl of Fortune. So because it's socially distant, I'm going to uh, approach this in a slightly different way than uh, if we were doing this face-to-face. I'm going to reach into the ball in front of me, uh, pull one of the balls out at random, and unscrew it to reveal a hidden note. So Mark, let me know what the quote or saying means to you as I read it aloud. I don't know if you can hear the ball spinning. Uh, ball spinning. All right. I'm going to unscrew it now. There we go. Pulling out the note now. All right. The unique value of crowdfunding is not money. It's community. A quote by Ethan Mollick, who is a professor at Wharton University. What does this quote mean to you? Wow. Well, I think 
it's, it's amazing quote actually. I've never never heard it before. Okay. But um, you know, crowdfunding is 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 all about the benefit of the crowd, and you know, you can see this in not so many other things, not just crowdfunding itself, but the benefit of working with other people is which is really what we're doing here. And, you know, the, the crowdfunding aspect is drawing investors together for a common goal, which is helping to finance uh, projects. But that happens in so many other um, aspects of society where people come together to achieve a particular goal, and I think that's really what the what the um, what the quote is saying. It's you know, if we if we work together, we can achieve so much more. Yes, and uh, I agree. And that's the the uh, in my opinion, the most attractive thing about crowdfunding is a collective collaboration to realize someone's dream project. So you're all in it together, and it's a, a, a yeah collectivistic way to approach. Uh, uh, the real estate market as opposed to individualistic. And I think that's what society is uh, gravitating towards. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to what the future holds and with regards to this particular development. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that's th- that's all we have time for for today, unfortunately. I'd once again like to thank everyone who tuned in. If you don't have a Spotify account, don't worry. The Max Property Podcast can be listened to via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, and CastBox. Have a look at our Max Crowdfund website if you haven't done so already and give a read-through of both routes, the investor side and the project developer side, to understand how these processes work. Nevertheless, I just want to ask Mark one final question, as we always do, before we call it a day. Mark, do you have any final words of advice you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Yeah, I think... um Looking at you know Max Property Group, Max Crowd Fund, we will become over the next few years, without a shadow of a doubt in my mind, one of the largest, if not the largest, global real estate crowdfunding platform. And what makes us unique is we are multi-country, multi-currency, multi-projects, and and I think that will stand us out um, amongst the crowd into the future. But without a shadow of a doubt, I think we will be one of those unique companies within the marketplace. And uh, it's exciting to be on board. Definitely. And I uh, wholeheartedly agree. And it's nice to have found a niche in this particular regard. So thanks a lot, Mark, for that advice and, and for your time as well. And thanks again to all of you out there for listening. And we hope to see you next time.